I'm going to give a message today called, Are You a Blasphemer? Are you a blasphemer? Before you answer that question, please listen to the message, because the answer may be different than what you think. I have actually six different ways of blaspheming from Scripture here that I'm going to share with you today. And blasphemy is one of the four sins in the Old Covenant that could not be forgiven. You know, it was stoning to death. Idolatry, murder, adultery. You couldn't be forgiven. You couldn't commit those sins and go and kill an animal. The penalty of that was death. So blasphemy is a very extremely serious sin. Extremely serious. Uh, which does bring the death penalty. And basically, the definition of blaspheming is to uh, irreverently disrespect Yahweh. To show irreverence and disrespect Yahweh. That's the definition. And like I said, you may think in your mind now what that may be, but I'm going to show you six different ways that the scriptures actually say that we could blaspheme. So I don't think anyone of us would consciously want to blaspheme, but maybe we'll give some food for thought today. Uh, I want to start in 2 Timothy 3, because, you know, it talks about in Corinthians 15.33, bad communications ruin good habits. I teach at the Bible school, whatever you focus on becomes most real to you, and you will become like the people you're with, there's no doubt about it. And if you're around people that are half-hearted, you're going to be half-hearted. If you're around people who are blaspheming, you're going to blaspheme. If you're around people who uh, are zealous for the word of Yahweh, you'll be more zealous for the word of Yahweh. So let's look at the type of people that the end time, the Apostle Paul told us would be here. 2 Timothy 3, I'm just going to read 1 and 2. But know this, in the last days, disastrous times will be upon us. He doesn't have to tell us that. We're living it, right? For men will be lovers of themselves, pride, lovers of money, braggarts, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, wicked, and then he goes on with natural feelings, addicted to lust, slanderers without self-control, on and on and on and on. It's like, wow, would be shocking enough if there was one or two adjectives here. But Paul goes on giving somewhere around 12, 15 adjectives of the way people would be. And the scary part about this is, people read this and say, yeah, it's a pretty bad world out there. We need to be separated. But this is talking about in the congregation. If you read the chapter in context, he's talking about the people that might be sitting right next to you or the people sitting next to you in your local congregation. So it's a scary thought to think about. Maybe I could be one of them, you know. And that's why in the end we really need a lot of self-reflection because, uh, again, it's the world, it's the spirit of Satan, it's the spirit that's here in the world today. Are you a blasphemer? Let's go to Exodus 20. And the first point I want to make about blaspheming, remember, it's bringing disrespect to Yahweh. By giving, not giving him the reverence that belongs to him. The first point I want to make is simply in his name. Exodus 20 and verse 7, it's the third commandment. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your Elohim in vain. For Yahweh will not leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain. You all read it. I've heard sermons for years and years and years. 
from a former congregation that I belong to, saying we need to give reverence to the Heavenly Father's name and then never giving reverence to His name. Not only not giving reverence to His name, not even accepting it and actually putting articles out in their magazine that it's, it's, it's evil, the name Yahweh. It's bad to use the name Yahweh. And it's irrelevant. Irrelevant. Exactly what blasphemy is. It's, again, disrespecting and making something of greatness of Yahweh irrelevant in our life is called blasphemy. So again, what does in vain mean? You could look it up, the Hebrew word. It literally means to change. So again, the Bible was not written in English. It's funny, I had a born-again chap, I guess you could say, talking to me several years back and trying to tell us how her doctrine is wrong because he had his King James Bible. And remember, the King James is perfect. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with the King James, the only perfect version. And he's saying, look, it doesn't say Yahweh in the King James Version. And I'm trying to tell him that our Savior spoke Hebrew, and he wouldn't believe it. No, Jesus spoke English. (laughs) English wasn't a language, you know, until the 15th, 16th, 17th century. And even the English that was spoken in the 1600s, compared to the English today, is very, very, very different and archaic, we could say, in our aspect. But clearly in the Hebrew, you shall not take the name of, in Hebrew, yod Hey vav Hey. Those are the, they call it the tetragrammaton, it means four letters. You are not to take the name of Yahweh. No other name. No other name, like I said, it's in every Hebrew manuscript. There's nobody that doubts it. There's no scholar, there's nobody that thinks, in their right mind anyway, that the Bible was written in English, when there was no English language. So if we want to have any credibility, we have to be credible on every point. We can't be credible on some points and then go off into left field on other points. And that word in Hebrew literally means to change the name. So if you take the name Yahweh and change it to anything else, you are breaking the third commandment. Very simple. To change to falsify. To falsify. Now, I was a covenant Sabbath believer for 13, 14 years, and never knew the name Yahweh. Because in the congregation I belonged to, they were falsifying His name. They told me His name was God. That's what I was told. I believed it. Until I found out it's not. And I looked it up for myself. I looked it up. You can go to any interlinear Bible. You can go to any Masoretic text. And you could clearly see. A matter of fact, even in what's called the Septuagint. Everybody know what the Septuagint is? It is the Greek translation of the Masoretic text written in the 2nd century B.C. Why? Because Israel went into captivity. In 586 B.C., they went into all the Greek areas, and many Jewish people stopped speaking Hebrew. So again, they didn't understand the Scriptures anymore in Hebrew, so they had to come up with a Greek translation. Fine, no problem. They got, it's called Septuagint, 70, because there were 70 rabbis who put this together. And do you know in the original Septuagint... And I have copies of pages of it. That even though the whole Septuagint was in Greek, when the name yod heh came, they kept it in gold letters perfect. Because they didn't want to break the third commandment. Is the name Yahweh, yod heh important? Absolutely. Can you imagine the creator of the universe that created everything? And people say it doesn't matter. And yet us, human beings, that are made of dust, you know, when somebody comes up and says, you know, your name incorrectly, 
you know, that's not Ronald, it's Ronald. We want to make sure it's perfect. But when it comes to the creator of the universe, it, it, it really doesn't matter. He knows your heart. And that's the problem. He does know your heart. And your heart, like mine, is evil and deceitful, above all things, and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. The problem is he knows our heart. And our heart is half-hearted and our human nature is evil. And if you want a relationship with the Creator, you have to come to Him on His term, not on your terms. And literally it is blasphemy to make His name irrelevant. To bring it to nothing. That's the third point of it. In vain, it means to change, to falsify, or to make it to common. To bring it to nothing. To literally make it an everyday name. So even if you use the name Yahweh... If you're blurting it out every second and you're giving no reverence to that name, you're breaking the third commandment. And like our brother Judah, and I'll mention this in a few minutes, if you never use his name, you're also bringing it to nothing. So clearly, the first point of blasphemy is the third commandment. Disrespecting, making our Heavenly Father's name irrelevant. Leviticus 24, we'll read a story about this. Bible to show you clearly that it is blasphemy to bring disrespect to the name of the Creator. Leviticus 24, in verse 10. It says, And the son, uh, the son of an Israelite woman, and he was a son of an Egyptian man, went out among the sons of Israel. And the son of the woman of Israel and a man of Israel fought together in the camp. So here, pretty simple story. Two people, Egyptian and an Israelite, they're having an argument. And the son of the woman of Israel blasphemed the name of Yahweh and cursed. And they brought him to Moses, and his mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Dibri, the tribe of Dan. And they put him under guard that they might be declared to them at the mouth of Yahweh. So again, this isn't Moses' decree. They're bringing him to Yahweh, the same as the man picking up sticks on Shabbat. <laughs> Pretty simple thing, right? He's just simply picking up sticks. You know, doesn't, doesn't, didn't Jesus tell us this love? <laughs> so now, let's hear what Yahweh says is the punishment of the man who blasphemed and, and disrespected his name. And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Bring out the reviler to the outside of the camp, and all those who heard shall lay their hands on his head, and all the congregation shall stone him. And you shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When any man curses his Elohim, then he shall bear his sin. And he who blasphemes the name of Yahweh surely shall die. All the congregation shall certainly cast stones at him. As to the alien, as to the native, when he blasphemes the name, he shall be executed. Now it's not because of pride. It's not because Yahweh is so prideful. It's because it's truth. It's because if we cannot humble ourselves and realize where we are and where He is, we will never be able to serve Him and we'll never be able to serve His people. So, like Anne was saying, there, there's one Creator. There's one Father of all. And it's very simple. You don't have one reference. You don't have five references. You don't have a hundred. Not even a thousand. You have seven thousand. 7,000 references only in the Tanakh, only the Old Testament. 7,000 references that say His name is Yahweh. Why on earth would we fight it? Why on earth do we want to come up with our human reasoning why we don't have to give reverence to the name above all names in the universe, the family name of Yahweh? It's simply blasphemy. 
And again, blasphemy is one of the sins that will keep you out of his kingdom. Let's go to Exodus 34 and verse 14. Exodus 34 and verse 14. says, For you shall not bow to another Elohim. For Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, he is a jealous Elohim. You shall not bow to another Elohim. And yet people that know the name of Yahweh, they know that's the name of the, the Creator. They see the 7,000 references. They'll still go in their prayer closet at night. They'll get on their hands and knees. They'll lift their hands and they'll pray to God. They'll pray to God. It's scary to me. You know, and again, like I said, I was a covenant believer, a covenant Sabbath believer, praying to God for 14 years in ignorance. I didn't know any better. And Yahweh honored that. He honored it because I didn't know any better. But this was easy to me. This isn't a doctrine. I met a woman a few years ago in the bookstore over here. And when I was using the name Yahweh, she said, Oh, I hope you're not one of those Yahweh-only people. And I said, well, I don't know what you mean by that, but his name is only Yahweh, if that's what you mean. It's not a doctrine to me. It's not a doctrine. It's simply his name. It's not a doctrine that my name is Don. It's my name. It's not a doctrine that his name is Yahweh. It's simply his name. What is so hard to understand about it? What is so hard to understand about it? And and I say there's got to be a spiritual influence. Because did anyone ever walk up to you? And say, hi, my name is Joseph. And he's like, nah, you look more like a Sam. No, I'm telling you, my name, I'll show you my birth certificate. I'm going to call you Sam. It just doesn't work that way. We don't question humans when they tell, we don't ask for driver's license to prove it. We simply call them the name they tell us what their name is. But all of a sudden, the name above all names, the creator of the universe. And again, in the Hebrew mindset, your name tells you what you do. There's a reason why Cain was called Cain, Kanati, to redeem. There's a reason why Abel, the second one born, is called vanity, because we already have one. There's a reason why Moshe is called drawn forth. Every single name in Hebrew has a meaning. Every name. There's not one name that doesn't have a name. And Yahweh's name has meaning. It means I exist. I exist. I was, I am, I will be. I exist. And the name is Yahweh. That's the way you pronounce it. That's the way it is. It's not Yahuwah. Yahuwah in Hebrew has no meaning. It doesn't exist. And yet people don't want to accept. His name is Yahweh. Been that way for 4,000 years. The rabbis know it. You know, the Jewish people know it. The historians know it. The Bible knows it. And people want to fight it. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's just like we said. In the end time, people will be rebellious. They'll have a contrary spirit. What is so hard to just accepting that? He clearly says here, do not bow down to any other Elohim but Yahweh. So, when we're bowing down and praying to God, who are we praying to? Because the, the argument is, well, it's just, you know, it's just a, a title for deity, is it? Let's go to Isaiah 65, because the name God is in your Bible, believe it or not. Maybe not your King James, which is far from perfect. Isaiah 65 in verse 11. That the creator of the universe tells us. But you are those who forsake Yahweh. 
So he's talking to people who will not simply accept his name as Yahweh. You forsake Yahweh, who forget my holy mountain, who array a table for God, the Babylonian deity, and who fill mixture wine for many, the deity of fate. So again, it's just not that God is not his name. It's not just that it's another title. It is the personal name of a Babylonian deity. Now again, I used it for years, never knew that. Even when I found out the name Yahweh, I didn't know this. But when I found out that the name God was the personal name of a Babylonian deity, I immediately stopped using it. Because I don't want to pray to a Babylonian deity. And I make it very clear. If I stood here and I prayed to you, and at the end of my prayer, I said, in the name of Allah, how many people would say Amen? If I said, in the name of Buddha, how many people would say Amen? If I stayed here and prayed and said, and I pray to you in the name of Baal, how many people would say Amen? So why on earth would you say Amen to the Babylonian deity? If you won't say Amen to the fertility goddess or any of these other false ones. Why would you say Amen to the name, the personal name of the Babylonian deity? Don't believe me? Get a Hebrew manuscript, look up Isaiah 65.11, and go in any encyclopedia and look up who is God. He is the Babylonian deity of fortune. A fortune of good luck. There's a reason why the money in America says in God we trust. Doesn't say in Yahweh we trust. Doesn't say in Yeshua we trust. It says in God we trust. Because the system, that is a satanic system, is based on fortune and luck. And they're praying to the Babylonian deity. So again... This is not a message to judge, but to enlighten. People will hear this message all over the world. And it's simply here to share with you, now you don't have to be ignorant anymore. You know the name of the Creator. You know that's His only name. He clearly tells us we can't call Him by another name. Go to Exodus 22.20. Exodus 22.20. One sacrificing to a God shall be destroyed, unless it is only to Yahweh. One sacrificing to a god will be destroyed unless it's only to Yahweh. Any other deity except to the name of Yahweh will be destroyed. You know, Isaiah says, My name is Yahweh, I will give my glory to no other, and why should he? Why should the eternal creator of everything that has no beginning and no end, why should he give his glory to these pagan rats? You know, the... the, the uh, Muslims, you hear them screaming, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah is great. Do you know if you vowel point that just a little bit different? Allah Akbar is Allah is a rat. <laughs> Akbar is the word for rat. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not you know, saying this to diminish, I'm just stating a fact that the word Akbar can be great, but if you change that vowel point just slightly, it's rat. So anybody praying to another deity but Yahweh. Yahweh is his personal name. Isaiah 52 and verse 5. Isaiah 52 and verse 5. So then, what is it to me, declares Yahweh, for my people are taking for nothing. Those ruling howl, declares Yahweh, and my name is continually despised every day. So my people shall know my name in that day, for I am him speaking. Behold me. Behold me. And like I said, one thing is certain. I don't know if I'll be alive when Yeshua returns or not, but I know one thing. Anybody that's here on this earth, anybody that's dwelling in Israel, anybody who's an Israelite that's here, they will be giving the glory to Yahweh. 
There's one name that's going to, he says it over and over and over, and in that name, Jeremiah 16, and in that day, they will know that my name is Yahweh. I don't want to wait for that day. I don't want to wait for Judgment Day when 99% of the world is dead. I want to recognize His name now. I want to glorify His name. I want to praise to His name. I want to give Him all the glory it deserves. Because even when I do that to my fullest, I can't even do it 1%. Because we're human. How can we give glory to the eternal creator of the universe? But there's got to be a starting point. The starting point is simply just accepting that He said 7,000 times, This is my name. You know, what is so hard to understand about that? But, we see that our brother Judah is part of the problem when it comes to this issue. I was at a uh, house of some people years ago here in Israel. They invited us, me and Petra, over to a Friday night dinner. Didn't know these people, they just invited us there. And uh, they happened to ask me to do the Torah reading, which was somewhere in Isaiah. And I started reading, and of course, it said Yahweh, I read Yahweh. And the woman said, why are you saying that name? I said, because that's the name that's in the Bible. Yeah, but why that name? She kept putting her hand out, that name. And I said, look, there's two things here. You ask me to read, I'll either read Scripture for the way it is, I'm not going to change it, or I won't read. It's that simple. Why on earth, when the Bible says the name Yahweh, will I purposely change it to another name? It makes no sense. You know, Yahweh is very clear several times in His Word. If you change one word of Scripture... Your name is taken out of the book of life. So again, I respect the fact that Jewish people don't understand this. I respect the fact that they think they have so much reverence for the name that they don't use it. But at the same time, I will not blaspheme myself because of their ignorance. I'm not going to purposely use the name in front of them to, to, to uh, try to cause trouble. But if they're going to ask me to read a scripture, I'm not going to change the name of Yahweh in scripture by far, and take His glory away. Because that's what you're doing. Every time you exchange the name of Yahweh for God or any other name, you're taking the glory that's going to Him, and you're giving it to a Babylonian deity or any other deity. But you're not giving it to Yahweh. You're not giving it to Him because He never says He has any other personal name. He has many titles. He's El Shaddai, He's El Elyon, the Most High, the Eternal, the Creator, all these things, they're titles. But there's only one personal name in all of the Bible, and that name is Yahweh. Clear. Very, very clear. So we can call Him the Eternal, we can call Him the Almighty El Shaddai, we can call Him all these things as titles, but He has one personal name. One personal name. Go to Romans 2. And like I said, we'll see where some of these things come from by our brother Judah, going way back after the Babylonian captivity, and they returned to the land, and they stopped using the name. Romans 2, in verse 23, he says, You were proud of the Torah, yet you dishonor Yahweh through the breaking of the Torah. For the name of Yahweh is blasphemed among the nations through you, even as it has been written. So they're proud of the Torah, yet they dishonor Yahweh through breaking the Torah. How do they break the Torah? By breaking the third commandment. By bringing His name to nothing. And it says, the name of Yahweh is blasphemed among the nations through them. If Judah never stopped using the name of Yahweh, maybe it wouldn't be hidden today. And when I say, maybe it's a blessing. Yahweh knows the beginning of the end. Maybe it's a blessing. Because I hear people all over the place, G-O-D-D-A-M. They're damning the name of a Babylonian deity. Maybe Yahweh has purposely hidden his name because there's a great penalty of blaspheming so that they're not blaspheming. But to his people, to his covenant people, he wants to reveal this name. 
Malachi says in the end time, the people of Yahweh will get together and they'll be excited. And what will they do? They'll be talking about His name, Yahweh. It's something that we should be so happy about that He has revealed it to us. I'm amazed every day of my life. Why me? Why me? I could be one of those, huh? What is it? I don't understand it. Because my my mind could be dampened. I'm telling you, there's got to be a spiritual aspect because it's so simple and yet most people don't understand it. But all I say is, praise Yahweh, He gave me understanding. And praise Him to give you understanding. But you have to accept it. You have to accept it. Revelation 17 and verse 3. And I think Babylon is also a big problem. Why people can't understand Yahweh's name, why they blaspheme it. Look at Revelation 3. 17, 3, I'm sorry. And He carried me away in a desert by the Spirit. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, filled with names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. You know, in America, you know, the Lord, the God, Allah, all these things that are going there, Buddha, now you have uh, Islam, all of this mixing of religion that is just, oh, will turn your stomach. You know, <laughs> like vinegar and oil, turn your stomach. The mixing of religion. All these names of blasphemy are there. So again, we grow up with it. And again, I purposely speak to our leadership team and let people know, you know, people coming here that are brand new, we understand. If you're just coming into the name, you slip. It took me, I think, four years before there wasn't a Jesus coming out of my mouth. Because when you're doing it for years and years and years, sometimes it just, it's ingrained in you. And we know that. We're not judging people that are coming to the name and you mistakenly say something. What we're talking about, I'm talking to people that are basically just denying it, that don't care. That say, yeah, I know the name, but I'm not going to use it. Well, it's not important. And again, we're all free moral agents. We all make all our decisions. But I am telling you, from the word of Yahweh, by the authority of Yahweh, it is blasphemy, according to His word. So now you have to decide, are you a blasphemer? Are you a blasphemer? Revelation 13. Let's look at someone who hates the name of Yahweh. Let's look at someone who hates the name of Yahweh and who doesn't want you to use it, as Brother Ian said. Revelation 13, And I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on the horns ten crowns, and on its head names of blasphemy. Names of blasphemy. I can assure you, the Santa Messiah that comes, he may be called many things, he may even be called Jesus, but he will not be called Yahweh. That is for sure. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and its feet were like the feet of a bear, and its mouth was as a lion's mouth, and the dragon gave its power to it, and its throne in its great authority. Where is he getting his authority from? The devil. And I saw one of its heads as having been slain to death, and its deadly wound was healed, and all the earth wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with it? And the mouth speaking great things and blasphemies was given to it. And authority was giving it to act 42 months. And it opened its mouth in blasphemy toward Yahweh. And blaspheming His name and His dwelling place and those dwelling in heaven. The Catholic Church just recently, I don't know if you heard this, just in the last few months, has officially said the name of Yahweh is never to be uttered again in the Catholic Church. They've taken it out. Blaspheming the name of Yahweh. Blaspheming it. If you don't get it now, believe me, it'll be very hard to get it later when the beast 
power is here, when that spirit of delusion is around, it'll be extremely hard later. Psalm 74. Psalm 74 and verse 10. And like I said, it is, it is shocking and appalling to me. Not that the world doesn't understand Yahweh or give glory to His name, because they don't have a spirit. It's shocking and appalling to me that people who claim to be covenant people would want to deny the Creator of the universe that brings you into that covenant. Psalm 74 and verse 10. O Elohim, until when shall the enemy speak evil of you? Shall the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Scorn or blaspheme is the same word. O Elohim, when will the enemy speak evil of you? Shall the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Verse 18. Remember this, the enemy has blasphemed, O Yahweh, and a foolish people have despised your name. Do not give the soul of your turtle dove to the wild beasts. You will not live... You will not forever forget the life of your afflicted ones. Look to your covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full, the abodes of violence. Oh, let not the ill-treated ones turn back ashamed. Let the poor and needy praise your name. Very, very simple. Only the enemies of Yahweh hate his name. Only the enemies of Yahweh. Why would anybody who's a covenant believer disdain or blaspheme the name of Yahweh? Alrighty, next point of blasphemy. I think that one is pretty evident by the third commandment. That to give disrespect to his name is blasphemy. Number two, to claim the name of Yahweh, which I think we all do, and misrepresent him in our lives is called blasphemy. Do you realize that? Do you realize to enter covenant and in the name of Yahweh, you know, that's the covenant name that He gives, and He gives to us when we enter it. And to misrepresent Him in our life is called blasphemy. Go to Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7. In verse 5. He says... For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, and you do not pour out innocent blood in this place, or walk after other Elohim to your evil, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave your fathers, from forever and forever. Behold, you trust for yourself in lying words without being of use. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incest to Baal, and walk after other Elohim who you do not know? And will you then come to stand before me in this house on which my name is called, and say, we are delivered, in order to do all these detestable things? Doesn't it sound like a a, a lot like the cheap grace? You know? That, hey man, my sins are forgiven, but you're living in adultery. You left your wife and you're living with this woman in adultery. It doesn't matter. Don't judge me. And then you will come to stand before me in this house on which my name is called Yahweh and say we are delivered in order to do all these detestable things. Has this house on which my name is called become a den of violent ones in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen, declares Yahweh. Very simple. There is a great responsibility and I always say grace is free but it sure ain't cheap. 
It's free, but it sure ain't cheap. There is a great responsibility that comes when you enter covenant relationship with the eternal creator of the universe. And basically, the responsibility is simply surrendering to him. Most of the problems come when we don't. But to claim that name and misrepresent him in our lives, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. Because that's what Yeshua did. Yeshua said, greater works will you do than I did. Wow, he raised the dead, healed the leper, healed the crippled. Come on, greater works than this. But yet, when he suffered, died, crucified, and resurrected, there were about 120 believers. Today, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions in the world, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about him in us will do greater works. Not us. <laughs> not us ourselves. Him in us. That he, was, he came in the flesh in one human body, but now he's going to be in thousands and thousands of human bodies doing the same work. So synergy, it's going to go. So with him living in you, you have a great responsibility. You have a responsibility to do the things he says it takes to be a disciple of his. Not to revile back for reviling. Not to be like the world, you know, tit for tat. But to love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And then you will be children of your Father in Heaven. Only through His Spirit can you do this, because human nature can't do that. They can't do it. And I've told this story before. Richard Wormbrandt's wife, if anybody knows Richard Wormbrandt, Voice of Martyrs, started years ago, was in concentration camp for 12 years. Jewish believer. Dead now. But his wife, years after, saw the, the Nazi soldier who actually killed his parents, killed her parents. And she hugged the man and told him, I forgive you for what you did. I forgive you. And the man, tears rolling down his eyes, and got converted, became a believer. Because forgiveness of that can't come from the human self. It can only come from the Spirit of Yahweh. So every day of our life, whether it's our husband, our wife, our children, whether it's the person out here in the street, whether it's your boss at work, are you representing Yahweh in the proper fashion? Are you being a disciple of Yahweh? It's one of the big things we teach at the Bible school. What is a disciple? You know, Christians use three times in the Bible. Uh, believers use four times in the Bible. Disciples used 150 times. When you're immersed in the name of Yeshua and you enter covenant relationship, you become a disciple. What does it mean? What earth does it mean? We have a whole course to tell you what it means. But one thing it means is total surrender. Total surrender. Your life is bought and paid for. And we must, we must, we're required to let the world see the light in Him through us. Or yet we're blaspheming. Second Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13. This is when David sinned. David sinned against with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. Second Samuel 12 and 13 and 14. And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against Yahweh. When we sin, we don't sin against man, we sin against the Creator. And Nathan said to David, Yahweh also has put away your sin, you shall not die. Only because you have cause to blaspheme. Scorn, blaspheme, same word. Only because you have cause to blaspheme the enemies of Yahweh by this thing, also the son who shall be born to you surely shall die. You understand the picture? When you go out there and somebody sees, and you're a Sabbath keeper, and they see you in that supermarket on Saturday afternoon buying milk or cookies or whatever else you're buying. You're blaspheming Yahweh. 
Because now you're bringing to shame His commandment. When someone sees you lying, when someone sees you stealing, when someone sees you in a spirit of rage or anger, you are blaspheming Yahweh because His Spirit is living in us. The same way that by David's sin, he caused the enemies of Yahweh to say, look, this is Yahweh's servant, and look what he's doing. It's called blasphemy. Called blasphemy. To claim the name of Yahweh and misrepresent Him in our lives is called blasphemy. Jacob, book of Jacob, chapter 2. Book of Jacob, chapter 2, and verse 6. But you dishonored the poor one. Do not the rich ones oppress you, and they drag you before the judgment seat? Do they not blaspheme the good name called on you? If you truly fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you have respect of persons, you commit sins, and you are convicted by the Torah as transgressors of the Torah. People are watching you all the time. People watching you all the time. People that come in here may be brand new people. They never met me. They never met a lot of the people in the congregation. They don't know what we're about. Maybe they heard through a sermon. Maybe they heard whatever through somebody else. But they're coming here and by our actions, by our love, by our character, they're judging. Are we real or is this just another game? Is this just another church? And that's what it comes down to. Surrender, sacrifice. To claim the name of Yahweh and misrepresent Him in our lives is blasphemy. Third point of blasphemy. 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6 in verse 1. Let as many as are slaves under a yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of Yahweh and His doctrines may not be blasphemed. Let as many as are slaves under a yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of Yahweh and His doctrines may not be blasphemed. Clifford talked about judicial order yesterday. When we do not follow the judicial order of Yahweh, we're not disrespecting man, we're disrespecting Yahweh who sent the men. And we commit blasphemy. When we complain, we're not complaining against Yahweh. I mean against man, we're complaining against Yahweh. You know? Everything that's done should be done in prayer. I know in my life it is. Anything that's set up, you know, years ago setting up the feast. I pray every year fervently. You know, I pray over every application that comes in for the feast. I pray over every application that comes in from the school. Because I pray to Yahweh, you pick the people, you pick who you want here. Every year is different. The atmosphere, the people, everything. So when Yahweh brings you somewhere... And you're complaining, whether it's the littlest thing of, ooh, you know, the door could be a little wider here to get in, or it's my bed is too hard. You're not complaining against man, you're not complaining against the establishment, you're complaining against the one who brought you here. And Yahweh calls it blasphemy. He calls it blasphemy. 1 Corinthians 10. Going against his judicial order is called blasphemy. 1 Corinthians 10. We have to thank Him and praise Him and believe that He is leading you in any situation you're in. And that's why the Bible gives us stories like King David. You know? This happy shepherd boy, 17-year-old, hopping around with a sheep, couldn't have been happier. And all of a sudden, prophet nation comes, pours oil on him, and his life changes. You're going to be king of Israel. Wow, sounds great, doesn't it? Do we realize for 13 years, as soon as that oil was poured on him, 
He, he, in fear, read the Psalms, in fear, he ran for his life all over this land back and forth. And he was a human being. At times he got exhausted by running away from Saul. Fearing for his life. You read those Psalms, but Yahweh did it. Why? Because we have had those Psalms for the last 3,000 years now. And through David's words, all of us can understand and be comforted. But it wasn't easy. Joseph. Joseph has a dream. You're going to be over your brothers. Eleven chiefs bowing down to you. Seventeen-year-old boy again, right? Wow, this is great. Where does it lead to? Being thrown in a pit? Being sold to the Ishmaelites? Being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife? Being put in prison for 13 years? But in the end, what did he say? Was he bitter? Was he complaining? Was he saying this? No. He was saying, don't worry. You did not do this to me. Yahweh sent me before to save a nation. Do we have that mindset? Is our mindset 24-7 on the work of Yahweh? When something's going that may not be happening according to the way I want it, am I complaining or am I on my hands and knees seeking Yahweh and saying, Yahweh, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? Okay, I'm in this prison. I didn't plan on this. Who is here that you want me to talk to? Who is here? Where is my, my job to do? I'm amazed at the story of the Apostle Paul. Beaten. You know, the, the, the blood still coming out of his wounds in a dark, cold prison. And what are they doing? Singing praises to Yahweh. They're not sitting there murmuring. Singing praises to Yahweh. And what is the result? The prison shakes. The doors of the bars come off. Now it's dark there. Remember, there's no electricity. They're running. And here's the guard thinking, the people got away. And what's the penalty? If you're a guard in the Roman Empire, death. So he's ready to fall on his sword and kill himself. And what does Paul say? No, don't do it. We're still here. And the man, his whole household, come to faith that night. I have personally witnessed these things in my life and seen it here. Just right, right on the other side of here, the Citadel Hostel. You know, when we were staying here years and years and years ago. And again, me and Petra go to bed pretty early. One night we're there and the owner, he's an Arab man. He says, there's a wedding coming tonight. Would you come? You know, we'd like to invite you. So we don't want to dishonor him. We said, okay, we'll come. And we said, oh, well, you know, we'll wait till they do their little toast and then we'll just slip out to bed. So there we are sitting there and uh, playing very loud music, which wasn't so great to us. But there happens to be one Jewish man sitting there. And he starts talking to us. And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit starts coming out. And I'm just giving him scripture after scripture after scripture. And all of a sudden he stands up and he says, Don, I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. And next thing I know, I see that Arab guy turning off the music. <laughs> I'm waiting for the scimitar next, right? <laughs> the next two hours, the whole wedding party was sitting there at my feet with my Bible out. For days, it was like coming from the top, coming from the bottom, coming from out here, all over the city. It was, there's Bible studies going, knock on the door. Are you done? Is there a Bible study? To-? It was unbelievable. People being baptized, people being called. But wherever Yahweh's work is, Satan is going to come to try to thwart it. Another Jewish guy comes to me. He's talking to me. He's saying he wants to be baptized. And then all of a sudden, what happens? I hear this foul mouth behind me, four-letter words coming. Guy's got a cigarette in his mouth. He says, hey, bud, I hear everything you're saying, and I'm here, and we need to talk. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this is the last thing I need. Demonic spirit around. So, I pulled the guy on the side. That was it. We went to bed that night. All of a sudden, I'm talking to, well, before we went to bed that afternoon, I'm talking to another man who's an atheist from Canada. 
And he's joking and making fun. But he was a nice guy. He was listening, half listening. But again, not really believing. So we go to bed. And one of the sisters from upstairs, all of a sudden, about 2 o'clock in the morning, bang, 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 bang on the door. We come out. She says, that man who came in tonight, he's absolutely possessed. He said, you have to come up here. And all of a sudden, me and Petra, like, like, a, like an, a wolf or something. And I'm thinking, oh, brother, what's going on? So I said, look, if this guy is willingly accepting a demon, there's nothing we can do. Get everybody down to this floor. I'll pray over the floor. It will not be able to come down. She says, just please come and take a look. So I come over there, and there's a staircase going up to the ceiling. And the demon was literally manifest. This guy was down ripping at his clothes. Green foam coming out of its mouth. Two red dots in his eyes peered down at me. And he goes, what's your name? And I'm thinking of the scripture. I know Yeshua. You know, I know Paul, but who are you? And I'm thinking, I don't want to get beat up by a demon. My name doesn't matter. I said, I come in the name of Yeshua, the Son of God. And you know what his answer was? Which God? That was the last day I used God. <laughs> which God? And I'm thinking, yeah, he's right. Allah, Vishnu, which one? And I said to him, Yahweh, the only true Elohim, the son of the living Elohim. And he said, he's a false deceiver. He's not true. I said, no, he is true. He's the Savior. You're a false. And I asked him, I said, do you want to be delivered? And a little boy started crying out, please get it out of me, get it out of me, get it out of me. And in the name of Yeshua, I cast you out, Satan. This went on three, four, five minutes back and forth. And he started speaking in the false tongue that the evangelicals do, the... the, the uh, what are they called? The uh, Pentecostals. And I started getting louder. In the name of Yeshua, I cast you out. You have no authority here. You are defeated. You are to leave this complex immediately. You are not to bother these people. This went on for about five minutes. Finally, the demon falls back. Again, what happens in all these meetings? Falling back. It's demonic. He falls back and he starts crying. The demon left. The demon left. The Arab guy by this time is up there. What's going on? And he starts yelling at the man. I want you out. He goes, I want you out of there. And he said, no, no, he said, it was a, he said it was a demon. Ask them, ask them. Now, when this was going on, the man I was talking to earlier, the atheist, the Canadian, was on his hands and knees praying. I'm telling you, it was one of the most fearful things. For three days, I was so exhausted, I had no breath. I was in bed. Because it takes every ounce of your being. Because if you're not fully submitted to Yahweh in that situation, look out. Look out. But this happened right here, just a few doors down from here. And shows clearly that you have to make sure every day of your life you're representing Yahweh. You're coming in the name of Yahweh. If you blaspheme, if you're thinking evil or complaining, you're not doing against man, you're doing against Yahweh. Let's go to Exodus 16. I'll skip over 1 Corinthians 10, but basically just saying that everything that happened in the wilderness was for our example. The point I was trying to make. Exodus 16, verse 2 and 3. And all the congregation of the sons of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And the sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt and are sitting by the flesh pots, and are eating bread to satisfaction. Wow, that sounds like a totally different story than I thought. I thought they were slaves. I thought they were being under hard bondage. But all of a sudden now, when they're not getting what they want in the wilderness, they're twisting the story. Has that ever happened to you? 
You know? That all of a sudden, one day, somebody is all happy that you helped them in some way, and all of a sudden, the next day, it's like, you know, you become in the devil incarnate when they're not getting their way. For you have brought us out of this wilderness, into this wilderness, to kill all the assembly with hunger. Wow. Here it is, Yahweh is doing the greatest miracle in the history of mankind. And they're accusing him of taking them out there to kill them. Drop down to verse 6. And Moses and Aaron said to the sons of Israel, At evening you shall know that Yahweh has brought you from the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of Yahweh, and is hearing your murmurings against Yahweh. And we, what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, When Yahweh gives you flesh to eat in the evening and bread in the morning to satisfaction, when Yahweh hears your murmurings which you are murmuring against Him, you will see, and what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against Yahweh. So again, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> you want to throw stones, don't throw them at me. It's not my message. It's Yahweh's message. This is His word. And clearly, when we murmur, we're murmuring against Yahweh. I've had people laugh when I've talked about this in America. And they say, <laughs> I guess we're just like Israelites. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, that's not something to laugh about. 2.8 million people came out of Egypt and went through the Red Sea, and 2 over 20 entered the Promised Land. I wouldn't be laughing if I was a Western, proud, complaining, where's the air conditioning, American or even European. I wouldn't be so happy about that. I wouldn't think it's a joke because blasphemy is death. Blasphemy is death. And I'm telling you, and it humbles me because I am a Babylonian. I was born in, Babel, uh, in Babylon. Zerubbabel, you know Zerubbabel, that's what it means, born in Babylon. <laughs> Not that I'm Zerubbabel, but... I know. I know the way I was born. I know my culture. And I know I probably will not get all of it out of me until the day Yeshua returns. But I have gone to places. I've seen Africans walking three days without shoes just to come and visit. I've seen a a crippled man with a cane as we're building the building, right? In Kenya, carrying the, the stone in his hand. And I said, brother, don't do that. We can get it. And he said, no, it is an honor to lay a stone in the house of Yahweh. I've seen them take a building with rain coming and sleep on straw for the feast. 50 people in a tiny little area like this and just be praising Yahweh that they had a little bit of land there to do it in. And I'm telling you, I I can't remember hearing a complaint in these areas. And then other times, when we have overabundance, what happens? What happens? And that's what Yahweh says. He doesn't say, remember not to forget me when everything is bad. Because when everything is bad, we're going to come to him automatically. He says, remember when your bellies are full and everything is good, not to forget him. And that's what's happened. Things have gotten too, too good for that. And it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. Acts 13, verse 44 and 45. Next point of blasphemy. Acts 13. 44 and 45. When we contradict the doctrine of Yeshua given by his ordained elders, it's called blasphemy. I'll read it to you. Acts 13, 44. And in the coming Sabbath, almost all the city was gathered to hear the word of Elohim. And the Jews, seeing the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and contradicted the things being spoken by Saul, contradicting and blaspheming. Blaspheming. And what I say is, it's not wrong or blaspheming to question a doctrine. It's not wrong to have questions. That's fine. What's wrong is to purposely misrepresent 
and try to contradict the doctrine of Yahweh's leaders that he puts through the congregation. It's called blasphemy. And in the day and age we're living, in the Laodicean age, people are doing it on a daily basis. And this is why people ask me all the time, why is there so much confusion? Why is people going after the lunar Sabbath and all these other things? Because they're not following the ordained eldership that Yahweh put there. And just like we just read, Moses said, when you're contradicting him, you're not contradicting him, you're contradicting Yahweh. There's none of these doctrines that I thought up. These are doctrines that have been there for 2,000 years, coming from Yeshua. And literally, something as simple as baptism. I've had people attack me and say I'm preaching heresy because I'm preaching baptism. I mean, it's everywhere. And they're blaspheming. It's blaspheming. Because baptism is not the doctrine of Don Esposito. It's the doctrine of Yeshua and Yahweh. Very clearly here, when we contradict Yeshua's doctrine by his elders, it's called blasphemy. Like I said, nothing wrong with questions or whatever. That's, that, that's a good thing. You want to understand it. I'm talking about being cynical, mocking it, rejecting it, contradicting it. Next point, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, and I'm going to start in verse 22. Then one's having been demon-possessed was brought to him, blind and dumb, and he healed him so that the blind and dumb one could both speak and see. And all the crowds were amazed and said, Is this not the son of David? But hearing the Pharisees said, This one does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, ruler of the demons. But Yeshua, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to ruin, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan throws out Satan... He was divided against himself. How will his kingdom stand? And if I throw out the demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Because of this, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out the demons by the Spirit of Yahweh, then the kingdom of Yahweh has come near to you. Or how is anyone able to enter the house of the strong one and plunder his goods, if he does not first bind the strong one, and then he will plunder his house? The one who is not with me is against me. And the one who does not gather with me scatters. Because of this I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven of men, but the blasphemy concerning the Spirit shall not be forgiven to men. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, not in this age, nor in the coming age. So very, very clearly, to take something that Yahweh is doing through the Holy Spirit, that's in His Word, and to deny it is blasphemy. To take something that Yahweh is doing through the Holy Spirit and His Word and deny His blasphemy. Replacement theology. Replacement theology is blasphemy. Yahweh is redeeming Israel. They say the church has become Israel. It's blasphemy to say Yahweh's eternal city, Jerusalem, where Yahweh dwells forever, is Babylon. It's blasphemy. It's not just a wrong doctrine. It's actually blasphemy. Because Yahweh is restoring this land. And Babylon will be destroyed forever. It's blasphemy according to the word of Yahweh. Ezekiel 35. Ezekiel 35, 1 through 5. This is exactly what the enemies of Israel are doing today. And the word of Yahweh was to me saying, 
Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it. And say to it, so says Adonai Yahweh, behold, I am against you, Mount Seir, and I will stretch my hand against you, and I will make you a ruin and a waste. And I will lay your cities waste, and you shall be a ruin, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. Because there was to you never-ending hatred, and you poured out the sons of Israel to the hands of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time of the iniquity of the end. Drop down to verse 10. Because you have said, these two nations and these two lands will be mine, and we will possess it. Yet Yahweh was there. You know, Yahweh in the end time has at least temporarily given a land to Jordan, Transjordan over there. And they said, no, we want both of these lands. And yet Yahweh is redeeming this land for Israel. Therefore, as I live, declares Adonai Yahweh, I will act by your anger and by your envy, which you have done out of your hatred against them. And I will be known among them when I have judged you. And you shall know that I am Yahweh. I have heard all your revilings. That word literally is blasphemy. I have heard all your blasphemy, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, Desolation. They are given to us for food. And you magnified with your mouth against me, and you multiplied your words against me, and I have heard. So it says that in Yahweh, all the earth rejoices. I will make you a ruin. As you rejoiced at the inheritance of the house of Israel, because they were a ruin, so I will do to you. You shall be a ruin, O Mount Seir, and eat them all of it, and they shall know that I am Yahweh. So very, very clear what he's saying here. Yahweh is restoring Israel, Edom trying to stop it. To say that Jews are evil, people come up with this crazy uh, doctrine. It led to the Holocaust. Jews are evil. Israel is an evil place. It's blasphemy. It's literally blasphemy according to Yahweh's word. Any form of replacement theology, again, is blasphemy. Leviticus 4. Leviticus 4. Next point of blasphemy. And actually the last point. In verse 2. Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a person sins against any of the commands of Yahweh through ignorance, which is not to be done, and shall do any of them, if the priest who has anointed sins resulting in the guilt of the people, then he shall bring near for his sin, which he has sinned the bull, a son of a herd, without blemish, to Yahweh for a sin offering. So very clear, even in the Old Covenant. Sins of ignorance could be forgiven. But to purposely know something is sin and do it anyway is defiance. Numbers 15. Let's look what Yahweh says. And the soul that does anything with a high hand in defiance, waving that hand at him, whether... Of a native or the alien, the same blasphemes Yahweh. And that person will be cut off from the midst of his people. For he has despised the word of Yahweh and has broken his command. That soul shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. So again, in the new covenant, you know, we're not perfect. There's, you don't go under waters of baptism and come up a spirit being. You know, I say that. You do have the seed of the Holy Spirit in you through the laying on of hands, but you're 99% Cardinal, 1% spiritual. As you yield and submit to Yahweh, you become more spiritual. You deny your carnality, and it ends. But if you willingly, defiantly, sin against Yahweh, He's not going to give the Spirit of grace the great sacrifice His Son did did against us, and it's called blasphemy. And this is why if we go to John 3, we see why the Pharisees in His day committed blasphemy, and why it's literally the unpardonable sin. They will not be in His kingdom. John 3.1, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, comes to Yeshua by night. 
a ruler of the Jews, verse 2. This one came to Yeshua by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come as a teacher from Elohim. For no one is able to do these miraculous signs which you do, except Elohim be with them. So again, the Pharisees, they knew who he was. They knew who he came from. No doubt about it. Then why didn't they accept him? Go to John 9. John 9 and verse 39. And Yeshua said, I came into this world for judgment, that the ones not seeing may see, and the ones seeing may become blind. And those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Now listen to what Yeshua's answer was. Yeshua said to them, If you were only blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, because of this, your sin is unmovable. So again, we know to the world out there that Yahweh has not opened up His word to, not that they don't have any judgment. There is a judgment that every person ever lived. But like I said, you don't judge a second grader the way you judge somebody in college. So to the world, they have a much less accountability. The much is given, much is expected. The more is given, the more will be required than we do. We're given so much and we're accountable for the things that Yahweh gave us. To them that know no better, you know, it says in Luke, that him that knew better will get many stripes, and him who did the same thing but didn't know any better will still get stripes, but less stripes. So clearly we see the Pharisees knew it. They knew who he was, they knew what they were doing, and they killed him anyway. And literally it's their eternal life. He said, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which we saw their bones, coming out of Hebron and in the kingdom, and you yourself being cast out, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So literally, when you're being led by the Spirit of Yahweh, and you reject it, it is the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin is unrepentant sin. And like I said, to most of the world, they don't know it's sin. I didn't know his name was Yahweh for 14 years. Was it still sin? Of course it was. Was I reaping what I was sowing by not knowing his name? Yes. But was I accountable for it? No. Yahweh doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't know. You're still going to pay the punishment, but the accountability is much, much less. Go to 1 John 3. 1 John 3 and verse 6. Over the years I've had many people asking me about the unpardonable sin. Many people, believers, who wound up backsliding, feel they committed the unpardonable sin. And what I always say, if you're feeling that way, you probably didn't do it. Because if you're repenting, there's never a point that Yahweh will not accept your repentance. But He says, don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And the longer you go without repenting, the harder your heart will get and you'll get to the point that you simply won't repent. It's like Satan the devil. Can Satan repent? Of course he can. Will he? Never. Because it's been so long, his mind is so warped and perverted. You ever have a situation where somebody maybe falsely accused you or something and you said, let me go try to work this out. And you talk to the person and they're just breathing venom. And they're just lying and saying this and, and you didn't even pull a chair up for me. And when I walked in that door, the way you lay, and you're thinking, whoa, we can't even go anywhere from here. This person is so, his mind is just so warped, you can't even talk to a person at that point. And that's what happens. That's what happens, that the mind will get so warped, so perverted, you'll actually start blaming Yahweh even. And you'll never repent. And that's the unpardonable sin. He gave you his spirit, led you with his spirit, opened your mind to his truth, and in the end you rejected it. And don't think it can't happen, because it can happen to any of us. It happens by us not realizing how much we have to fight sin. Hebrews says, you have not fought until the shedding of blood. Have you shed blood to fight sin? So when we take this Laodicean half-hearted attitude, 
Well, I keep the Sabbath most of the time, but my sister's getting married. What's so wrong about going to the marriage? Well, it's a worldly marriage, worldly music. You're not going to be sanctified before Yahweh. You know, or, you know I, 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 I never work on the Sabbath, but this one time they asked me to. And they said, only this time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Premeditated sin. And it doesn't mean you can't repent later, even if you're remorseful. But I'm telling you, every time you continue that sin again, the remorse will get less, and you're separating yourself more and more from Yahweh, and you're playing Russian roulette. You're playing Russian roulette, and you'll get to the point, if you continue in that sin over and over and over, you'll just be hardened to it. And then you'll start to even think it's not sin anymore. And you'll start blaming your mother. You'll start blaming your third grade teacher. You'll start blaming all these other people and coming up with all these reasons and justify yourself. And you'll simply stop repenting. So it's very serious. 1 John 3 and verse 6. Everyone remaining in Him, in Yeshua, does not practice sin. Everyone practicing sin has not seen Him nor known Him. Little children, let not one lead you astray. The one practicing righteousness is righteous, even as the one is righteous. The one practicing sin is of the devil, because the devil sins from the beginning. For this the Son of Yahweh was revealed, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Everyone who has been begotten of Yahweh does not practice sin, because his seed abides in him. And he is not able to sin because he has been begotten of Yahweh. And that's the reason why we cannot immerse someone if they're practicing sin. Because you won't receive his spirit to begin with anyway. But by this the children of Yahweh are distinguished from the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness and does not love his brother does not belong to Yahweh. So it's, it's very simple. There's a great accountability. And like I said, grace is free but it ain't cheap. And we must strive every day of our life to fight ourselves, fight our human nature. You're going to have to fight Satan. You're going to have to fight the world. But the biggest fight is against yourself. You know, I saw the enemy and the enemy is me. That's what it is. You have to fight your human nature. True spirit-led brethren do not willfully sin. And they show proof of this by loving the brethren. You cannot live in a lifestyle of sin. And the question that may come up, I will hit it because I know there's people out there that might be in this situation. What if, what if I'm living in a lifestyle of sin? Does that mean that I blaspheme the Holy Spirit and I, and I can't repent? No. If you're asking that question, you probably haven't gone too far. But if you're asking that question, you better get on your hands and knees today. Repent of the sin and never do it again. That's where repentance is. People come to me all the time. They say, I've repented over and over and I don't know why I'm doing the same thing again. I say, because you haven't repented. Repentance, by definition, is turning away from it. It's hating it. It's abhorring it. And again, the way your mind works, Yahweh made us this way, every single action you do in life is for two reasons. Either to gain pleasure or to avoid pain. And the human mind will work ten times harder to avoid pain than to gain pleasure. So if you're caught in some kind of sin, there's some kind of psychological barrier in your mind that's somehow thinking it's getting pleasure out of that. It's like people are addicted to cigarettes. It's a physical addiction, which makes it hard enough to break. But also there's something, I'm nervous, and they're thinking smoking a cigarette is going to make them feel better. People who are alcoholics, I can't handle this anymore. Bup, 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 they drink. Well, at least I forget it for a few hours. And then the morning comes and uh, doesn't solve anything. You're only coming to your problems with a major headache. <laughs> and that's the point. There's a psychological barrier in there. And repentance is getting over that psychological barrier. It's realizing that sin is horrific, horrible, and it will only lead to more sin. 
And we got to do it. Compromising will lead you into this position. And the more compromising you do, will eventually lead you into justifying it and committing blasphemy. Literally, you'll know right from wrong, and you'll choose wrong, and you'll figure out anyway. And if any of you have ever known somebody who was a believer and turned away, and saw them a few months, a year later, isn't it like night and day? I had friends of mine from Church of God. One, one man who was a real dear friend of mine. For years. I saw this man a, a year later. He was cursing. Say, I couldn't believe it was the same person. And then he's saying to me, hey, let's get together. <sighs> I don't want to get together with you. Not the, the new you. And it's shocking. But that's what will happen. When you wind up blaspheming the spirit of Yahweh, and you're going this other way, man, it is off the cliff real, real quick. It's one thing to go from Jehovah Witness to Evangelical and go from church to church. And many people do that. And Yahweh is leading you here to there. But once He brings you to the top of the mountain, you're here in Mount Zion. Where do you go from here? Where do you go once you got the truth? It's a quick fall off the cliff. And I can't tell you how many people show up here for the feast. And for years, it's the crescendo. They come here and you'll never hear from them again. Because they're not ready to go to that next step. And that's what Yahweh requires. But if you blaspheme Him, I'm telling you, your life will be miserable. It'll be simply miserable from that point. And go into the unpardonable sin. Go to Jacob 3. Jacob 3, verse 6. Now the tongue is a fire in the world of sin like a forest. And this very tongue, while it is among our members, can defile our entire body. Do you ever think about that? You know, sometimes maybe you get a pimple on your face and you're trying to cover it up. You know, or something else. You got an earache. But here he's saying the tongue, more than anything, defiles our entire body. And rolls down like a wheel and set on fire the course of the entire life. And in the end is consumed by fire. For every species of beasts, both indeed of birds, creeping things, sea animals is tamed and has been tamed by the will of man. But no one of men is able to tame the tongue. It is an unrestrainable evil full of death-dealing poison. By this we bless Elohim, even the Father, and by this we curse men, having come into being according to the image of Elohim. Out of the same mouth comes forth blessing and cursing. My brothers, it is not fitting for these things. Does the fountain out of the same hole send forth sweet and bitter? My brothers, a fig tree is not able to produce olives or vines, figs. So neither can a fountain produce both salt and sweet water. Who is wise in knowing among you? Let him prove his works by his good behavior in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and contention in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This is not wisdom coming down from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where jealousy and contention are, there is confusion in every foul deed. But the wisdom from above is first truly perfect, then peaceable, gentle, obedient, full of mercy and good fruits, not partial and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace for the ones making peace. So again, very clearly, very, very clearly, when we blaspheme other people, other brethren, you know, when we, when we, we gossip malign that are made in the image of Yahweh, we're blaspheming. When we blaspheme the children of Yahweh, we're blaspheming Yahweh. Uh, let me go to one last scripture on this. Hebrews 10, in verse 26. Just like I said, in the world we're living in, 
It is so easy in the Laodicean spirit to get caught up with a lackluster attitude of heartedness and sin. But where does willful sin lead to? Verse 26 of Hebrews 10. For if we willingly sin after receiving the full knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice concerning sins. But he is ready for the fearful judgment and zealous fire being about to consume the adversaries. For if he who transgressed the law of Moses died without mercies at the mouth of two or three witnesses, how much worse punishment do you think will be thought worthy to receive the one trampling the Son of Yahweh and having counted the blood of the covenant as common? Remember what we talked about last night? In which he was sanctified and having insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says Yahweh. And again, Yahweh will be his judge. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living Elohim. Therefore, remember the former days, those in which you received, after you received baptism, you endured with much tribulation. And again, we were talking about it this morning, sometimes right after immersion. You'll get a lot of trials, but you're so zealous at that time, you're ready to, to overcome. And then as years goes by, you know, sometimes just the daily cares of life will wear people down and they lose their zeal. And we're living in the time where it's prophesied for it. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to have your eyes open to the truth and to know it's the truth and to willingly choose to do evil, to do the opposite. Even though you know the truth from sin. It's not slipping up and sinning, but simply not caring anymore and having a turning back to a lifestyle of sin. Major difference. Major difference. And again, somebody who may have fallen away for whatever reason, and Yahweh had mercy to bring them back, there's still time. But like I said, you're playing with fire if you don't do it immediately. We're living in a time of blasphemers. I read it in the beginning. We're living in a time of blasphemers. We see it every day. We see it with people. We see people mocking Yahweh. We see... The atheists, we see in most of the public school systems in the U.S. where they're teaching there's a creation without a creator. We're, we're, we're literally living in the time of blasphemers. So if there's ever a time that we want to make sure we're not blaspheming, it's this time. Let's go to Revelation 16. Just a couple more scriptures. We'll be ending here. Because I want to show you what happens to blasphemers in the end time. If you're giving over to a spirit of blaspheming, and you're giving into it, will somehow you're just going to wake up, and then you're going to repent, and everything's going to get better? No. Let me show you. If you're giving yourself over to the spirit, and you're, you're living into it, let's look at what happens. Revelation 16 and verse 8. And the fourth cherub poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was given to him to burn men with fire. You know, we're living in a day where we're seeing... Uh, Solar flares and all these things coming from the sun. We're seeing weather patterns where things are getting hotter and colder according to the time of the year in other places of the world. So it's not too hard to imagine we could be getting temperatures of 130, 140, 150 degrees to the point where people just can't take it anymore. And men were burned with great heat. Now, did they repent? Listen, and they blasphemed the name of Yahweh the one having authority over these plagues. And they did not repent to give Him glory. And the fifth cherub poured out His bowl onto the throne of the beast, and its kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues with pain. And they blasphemed the Elohim of heaven from their pains and from their sores. 
and they did not repent of their works. A lot of people that are living in sin, that keep thinking, oh, there's always tomorrow, there's always tomorrow. Man, I'm telling you, if you're caught up in some sin, turn from it. Get on your hands and knees, turn from it. Whatever is causing you, the Bible says, not to put temptation before you. You know, I was talking to someone a few years back, and they were having a problem with alcoholism. And I was trying to figure out. I said, okay, uh, let's figure out how this happens. Well, I'm coming home from work. See the liquor store? Stop, I get a bottle and start drinking. All right, let's do this. Can you come from the back side? Yeah, I could, but there's a, a liquor store on that side in the back. Okay, let's try this. Why don't we move to the other side of town? Yeah, we can do that, but, you know, there's a liquor store over here, too, next to where I work. And I said, well, you know what you need to do? Then you need to move out of your state, move out of your country, or take an airplane or some kind of spaceship to another planet. Because your eternal life is at stake. Your eternal life is at stake. No drunkard will be in the kingdom. Stop making excuses and coming home every day with your children drunk on the floor. And yes, you're not going to overcome with the liquor store two doors away. Whatever you need to do to get rid of that sin, you better do it. You better do it. It doesn't matter where you live, where you work. None of these things matter. What matters is being in Yahweh's kingdom. And that kingdom is close. And when the reality of His presence comes, what does it do for all those who are not with Him? Read Revelation uh, or uh, Zechariah 14. Their eyeballs melt in their socket in His presence. You're either coming to the light or you're moving away from the light. It's one or the other. And if you want to come to the light, you've got to repent of your sins. It's that simple. It's that simple. And we're living in that last generation. If we're alive to see it, we will see His feet come there. And two things will happen. Either you're one of His and you'll be drawn to the light and be lifted up to eternal life. Or like I said, you're going to burn in the lake of fire. It's one or the other. You don't want to be caught up with blasphemy. And that's why I say, sin, unrepentant sin, will just over and over, it will lead you to a spirit of blasphemy. Let's drop to verse 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. We talked about what that means. Blessed is the one watching and keeping his garments, that he does not walk naked, and they may see his shame. Like we said, the priest in the temple, right? He had to stay awake. That's why he wore no shoes on the cold floor. But if he fell asleep and his robe was burned, everybody would see his shame the next day. He says, stay awake, keeping your garments. And he assembled them in a place, having been called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Armageddon. You'll, you'll, we're not going to go up to it, but you'll see it. You'll see Armageddon when we're in the north. And the seventh chair poured out his bowl in the air. And a great voice came from the throne and the sanctuary of heaven, saying, It has happened. And voices and thunders and lightning occurred, and a great earthquake occurred, such as did not occur since man came into being on the earth. Such a huge earthquake, so great. And the great city came to be into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and Babylon the great was remembered before Yahweh to give to her the cup of the wine of the anger of his wrath. Why? Because we read it. She's filled with blasphemy. And every island fled away, and mountains were not found. And a great hail as the size of a talent came out of heaven upon men, and men blasphemed Elohim from the plague of the hail, because its plague is exceedingly great. There will come a time, like it says in Amos, will there be a famine, not a famine of food, but a famine of the word of Yahweh. 
Now is still a day of salvation. Now is still a time where we can go to the world and share this with people and people will accept it. But there's a time when these plagues start and Yahweh's wrath starts on this earth that instead of repenting, they'll be blaspheming Yahweh. Let's go to Psalm 63. We'll end here. Because I want to show you a clear cutway to keep blasphemy out of your life. There is a clear cut way to keep blasphemy out of your life. Psalm 63. A Psalm of David. When he was in the wilderness of Judah, O Elohim, you are my El, I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. As in a dry land, a weary land without water. Therefore I have seen you in the holy place, seeing your power and your glory. Have you seen the presence of Yahweh? Have you seen the presence of Yahweh in your life? Have you seen it in what He does in your life every day? For your loving kindness is better than life. My lips give praise to you. So I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed, I will meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been a help to me, and I will rejoice under the shadow of your wings. My soul is cleaved after you. Your right hand upholds me. Who is the right hand of Yahweh? We went over this already. Clear-cut way to keep blasphemy out of your life is to have a love affair with your creators. Have a love affair with them. To be blessing them every day. To be thanking them in all things. To have the attitude that Paul had. To never let a negative thought come into your mind. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is good report. Whatever is pure. Think on these things. That what is going to separate me from the love of my Messiah? Will tribulation? Will sorrow? Will suffering? Nothing will. Nothing will separate me from that love. Because I've seen His love in my life. I know it's real. And I know it's never ending. And although Satan wants to try to convince me. Yahweh's forsaking you. He ain't going to forgive that sin. Oh, look what you did. Just like he did with King David, he does it with all of us. It's not the case. Yahweh will continue to work in you to the day Yeshua returns. But if the day Yeshua returns, and you're one of these that's blaspheming, we know what happens at that point. So, I pray that a message like this can be used to help you understand a little better the, what blasphemy is, the importance of not blaspheming. And really, like I said, it really should inspire us to every minute of every day of our life to be praising Yahweh for everything He's doing with us. It's, a, it's an unbelievable uh, circumstances that we're living in. And unbelievable that to think that this Creator, you know, where there was nothing here at a time, and He said, let there be light, and light just came from nowhere. The earth comes from nowhere. He creates the sun, the moon, the stars. You know the power of the sun? You know that you, what it does? And yet, with His breath, He creates that. And to think that same eternal being that has all that power knows how many hairs are on your head. And I keep them busy because I'm losing them every day. <laughs> but He still knows. He knows how many hairs are on my head. And to think that He loves me enough to call me out of all this to hold me in His arms, to take me day by day, the way of all of us. 
praise on your lips will keep you out of a spirit of blasphemy. So Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh's countenance be on you. May His peace lift you up and His shalom be upon you. Thank you.